If you have a Bible or the Bible app on your phone, if you would, join me in Psalm chapter 46. We'll get there in a moment. But as you're turning there, the past several weeks or so, I've been listening to an audiobook called The Heavenly Man. And it is the story of a Chinese Christian house church pastor named Brother, named Brother Yoon. And it's basically the story of how he was tortured and beaten and imprisoned for simply telling people about Jesus. And, and, he, shared, and he shares in his book, he, it's possible he led over 2,000 people to Christ. And he was an integral part in the multiplication of house churches during the 1980s and 90s in China. And as I've been listening to his story, one of the things that he says is he says they wanted, the, the secret police in China wanted me to reveal names of co-workers in places where house churches were meeting. And he said at one time, they, with thick needles, they squeezed acid under my nails and I fainted from the pain. He, he talks about another time how he was trying to avoid arrest and he says, I jumped from a second floor window but fractured my leg. I was met on the ground by the Chinese secret police who, who then beat him and then issued electric shocks. He, he was then placed in a maximum security prison. He was tortured there. They, they beat his legs with clubs to ensure that he wouldn't escape. And then listen to what he says. He says, torture taught me an important lesson. Even though God didn't immediately set me free from the pain and terror, I have come to understand that he was there. I didn't really suffer for Jesus while I was in prison. I was with Jesus. The ones who really suffer, he says, are those who never experience God's presence. The ones who really suffer are those who never experience the intimate presence of God. And as we've been journeying in our series, Come Up the Mountain, we, we've discovered that God's heart is not only to be with you, but to show you that he's with you. His heart is for you and me and your house church, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, for, the, for us to experience his presence. Like Moses going up, coming up the mountain into the presence of God, God's heart is for us to experience his presence with us. That's his longing. And we've discovered that some of the ways that God makes his presence known is in Scripture as he speaks to us through his word. Last week we saw that one of the ways God makes his presence known to us is in solitude and silence. And I hope you took the challenge last Sunday and spent 30 to 60 minutes this week in just complete silence and solitude. If you didn't, if you got this week as well, just add challenge on challenge. But how else? Where else does God reveal his presence to us? Suffering. Often God makes his presence known during suffering. King David wrote, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You're with me. Now, for the Christian, suffering, it's not an if 
you will suffer. It's a matter of when you will suffer. Now, my suffering may look different than your suffering. My trouble may look different than yours. Your hardship, your pain, your pressure, your distress might look different than mine. But we're both at some point going to experience trouble. Jesus said as much. And so did the Apostle Paul. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, In this world you will have tribulation. You will have pressure. You will have distress. You will experience sorrow. You will experience persecution. He says, in this world you will experience these things. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Then the Apostle Paul, writing to his young disciple, Timothy, a second letter to Timothy, he says, Timothy, listen. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. None of us want to suffer. It's not like we go running to it. But we need to understand that there is an expectation of it. Jesus said so. Now, as we journey up the mountain, there's a lot we could say about suffering. But today, I simply want us to see The core truth that when you are suffering, when you are in pain, when God's people are hurting, he's there. He's present during suffering. And suffering is not going to in any way feel like the top of the mountain, right? It's going to feel more like a valley. And yet, there's good news for the follower of Jesus, even in the valley, because the good news is while you're in the valley, God is there. God is present in the valley. And one of the places that we experience God's presence is during suffering. Now, let me give us a a little bit of foundation when I talk about God's presence during suffering. I think it's important for us to understand that when it comes to suffering and God's presence during suffering, it's not indicating that God was absent prior to the suffering, that he only shows up when suffering happens. We, how do we know that? Well, God promises in Hebrews chapter 13, he says, I'll never leave you. I will never abandon you. And for some of us this morning, that's you need to hang on to that. That's, you're going to walk out of here and that's all you're going to remember and that's the best thing you could know is God's promise to you that he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He's always with you. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, he says, the moment you receive Christ and surrender your life to Christ through the gospel, he places his Holy Spirit, his personal presence to live inside you. And then later on in that chapter, he talks about there's nothing that can separate us from the presence of God's love. Nothing. Even Jesus, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So God is always present with his people. He promises that. Always present. And he's present during suffering. It's not that God is off having like coffee someplace, right? And then the moment you suffered, oh, God's going to run and show up. No, he's been there. It's just that when we suffer, I think suffering heightens our awareness to his presence and our need for him. It's kind of like teaching your kids how to ride a bike. Like if, you, if I remember doing that with my kids and they'd get on, on a bike and they were starting to learn and they'd take off and I'm, I'm right there with them, right? I'm walking right next to them as they're going, you know, and I'm right there with them. I'm present with them. And then maybe they fall down. Even while I'm there, they fall down, they hurt themselves. And in that moment, they're like, they look up like, help, 
I, I, I was always there, but it's that, it's that moment of pain and suffering when they look up and they say, I need you. And so suffering often heightens our awareness of God's presence and our need for him. And the thing I want us to see this morning is simply that God is present during your suffering. Whether you feel he is or, or you don't feel he is, it doesn't matter because he's promised that he is. He's present during suffering. Well, how do we know this? I want us to look at several passages of Scripture this morning that reveal this. And the first is Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. The psalm writer says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, God is our refuge. God is. That's present tense. God is now. He is in the very present moment. He's there. He's present. He's in the moment of your suffering. And the, and the phrase very present means to be exceedingly found, to be discovered, to be encountered. Literally, he's just saying God is extremely present. God is extremely, he's exceedingly present in the moment while you're experiencing distress, affliction, sorrow, trouble. He's there. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. Go with me to Psalm chapter 23. A popular psalm. Begins in verse 1, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. That's what that means. I shall not want. It means because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. Then this is the great part, like the cotton candy part. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that's all very good. But is he there when it hurts? Read verse 4. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that next little word, that preposition is pivotal. Pivotal. And I love this about Scripture because so often Scripture doesn't leave us hanging. It gives us the why. Why don't you need to fear evil in the valley? For, he says, you, God, are with me. You're present with me, even in the valley. You're there with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's saying, even though I'm walking through, through this valley, and, and, and it, picture like a gorge, right? The Red River Gorge, or, and you're in the valley, and, and there's steep cliffs on each side of you, and, and, and you're just low, the lowest of lows, and, and the phrase of shadow of death, it means deep darkness. Think the life of Job, because that's where that phrase is mentioned most in Scripture, the shadow of death. So think struggle, affliction, pain, like life can't get any worse. And he says this, he says, even though I walk through that, God, you're with me, right? It's the opposite of the mountain peak where the suffering is so intense, you look up and you're like, there's no way I can come up the mountain. 
I don't have the strength to come up the mountain. It's so hard. Life is so hard. You don't understand the intense suffering and pain that I'm experiencing. I can't even think about coming up the mountain to be in God's presence. And God says, that's okay. I'll come down. I'll come down because I'm there in the valley. I'm present in the valley. Pastor and theologian David Guzik says this. He says, it is the presence of the shepherd that eliminated the fear of evil for his sheep. David could look to the fact of God's shepherd-like presence and know you are with me. God makes his presence known even in the darkest of valleys. Go with me to the book of Romans. We see this also in the book of Romans, Paul's letter to Christians living in first century Rome. Romans chapter 8. God is present during suffering. He's a very present help in time of need. He's with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 23. Or start in verse 18. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, Paul is writing, I consider that the sufferings that are of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing. I mean, just listen to his words. The suffering, the longing. Just listen to his language here. For the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, verse 20, was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free. So the creation is in bondage to corruption because of the curse, because of sin, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know, verse 22, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves are groaning in pain, suffering. Those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan on the inside as we Wait eagerly for adoption as sons, for the redemption of our bodies, for that moment when Christ will come back and deliver us. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, here we go. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes. The Spirit's praying for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit, while you're in suffering, and you've ever had those times when you you don't even know what to say. It's so hard. It's so intense. You want to pray, but you can't even get the words out of it. You can't even think about the words. It's just so difficult. And and Paul tells us the Spirit's there. He's present. And literally when it says he helps, it means he takes hold of you. He takes hold of you. And Jesus calls the, the Holy Spirit the comforter in John chapter 16. And as we think on that, go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. The Spirit being our comforter, even during suffering. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. God is present during our suffering. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us. That's present. He's comforting us in our affliction so that, here's the why, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So God is comforting you in your struggle, in your sorrow, in your suffering, and there's purpose for that. So there's somebody down the road in your path that you're going to meet and is going to need your experience of suffering in order to comfort them. And the Spirit is there helping us. He's coming alongside I remember when Grant was in seventh grade. It was in one night in the evening. And I couldn't find him. I don't know why I was looking for him. And I just said, I'll look for him in the basement. And maybe I've shared this story with you, but I think it's a good picture of what the Spirit does. And how the Spirit is present. I remember going down into our basement and the lights were completely off. It was dark. And there's my son in the middle of the floor on his knees, sobbing, just weeping. I was, I was shocked. I, I was shaken. I, and he's just, just continuing to cry. And I said, Grant, what, what's wrong? He said, Dad, I can't take it anymore. I'm absolutely overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And then he said this. He said, Dad, I don't even know if I want to live anymore. Talk about being shaken as a dad, as a parent. Hear your kids say that. I didn't know what to do. There's no manual, parenting manual to, oh, yeah, flip to page 33 and figure, you know. What do you do? I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Now I'm crying. All I knew in that moment was to come alongside my son and put my arm around and just say, I love you and just pray with him. I didn't even know what to say, but that's okay because the spirit is present. And just like a dad coming around his son to comfort the son, to lay a hold of the son, that's exactly what God does for you and me during suffering. He's that good. He's present during suffering. And we see example after example of this in Scripture. Right, we, t- we looked at the story of Elijah last week. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We see example of example in, in Scripture of God being present with his people during suffering. Here's Elijah. He's just scored a great victory for Jesus, for the kingdom. And man, he, he should be all pumped up and excited. And yet now he finds out that the king has a warrant for his arrest and wants to kill him. And so now he's a, he's a wanted man and the king sends hitmen after him. We looked at this last week, but we looked at it more from the, through the lens of how God made his presence known in the sense of through the silence and solitude. But I want us to see something else about our God. Look at verse 3. Then he, Elijah, was afraid, 1 Kings 19, and he arose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. 
And then go down to verse 9. It says, There he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. God says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says, verse 10, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. He feels alone in his suffering. Alone. And don't miss verse 11. This is beautiful about God. And God says, go stand on the mountain before the Lord. And here it is. And behold, the Lord passed by. The Lord was present in Elijah's sorrow, in his suffering, in his loneliness, in his distress, in his exhaustion. God was there. How about Daniel chapter 3? Have you ever heard of the story of the three friends in the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, if you grew up with veggie tales. My dad, growing up, called them shake the bed, make the bed, and to bed we go. That's what he called them. I don't know why. It was corny, but dad joke. All right, but you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shake the bed, make the bed, bed we go. I mean, three guys who are following Jesus. And we pick it up in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Verse 15. Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, there, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship these false gods, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. The confidence in their God. I love it. But if not, verse 18, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we survive. Even if we die, we're not going to serve because our God is the real God. He's the only God. Then, verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered that the furnace heat seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So that it killed the guards. It was so hot. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They said, True. That, you're right, king. He, he said, but I see four. I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. And they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of God's. And many people believe that that fourth person is Jesus. 
there in the midst of the fire. I love that. In the midst of their suffering, in the midst of the fire, Jesus is there. God is present even in the fire, even in the suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We see this in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul and how God is present in the Apostle Paul's suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. That's like, by thorn, it literally means like a tent stake. I mean, it's this, it's this we're not sure exactly what the thorn was, but it might have been a physical ailment. But it, it, was, it just continued to pierce him, like a tent stake being driven into him. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And when it says there in, in verse 7 that it was sent to harass me, that word harass means to, to just punch. It, I mean, it just, he constantly felt this pain. In verse 8, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But the Lord said to me. So the, here's Jesus saying to Paul in the moment of his suffering, My grace is enough. My grace is all you need in the suffering. Why? I love it. That little word for, you got to get to know it. For my power is made perfect in weakness. This is Jesus talking. He's saying, because when you can't go on anymore, and when the pain is so intense, it's that when, that's when my power is performed in you. You experience my power. And then Paul's going, well, in that case, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Why? so that I can experience more of the presence of Christ's power in me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For, why? When I am weak, I'm strong in his own strength? No, because it's in his suffering, it's in his weakness, that the power he experiences, the power of Christ in him. Like I said, we're not sure what that thorn was. Maybe some believe it was poor eyesight. Some maybe think it was malaria that he struggled. We don't know for sure. But Paul asked God to take it away from him, but he didn't. Because it was through the suffering that Paul became aware of his need for Jesus and is aware of his need for God's grace. And it was in that suffering that he experienced the power of Christ in his life. And as I was thinking about this, that God is present in our suffering. And I think about our culture of Christianity. I, I couldn't help but think this week and wonder if many Christians are missing out on experiencing the presence of God because we have orchestrated our lives for comfort rather than risking our lives for Christ and his kingdom. And I wonder if it's like, no one goes looking for suffering, but when you risk your life for Christ and his kingdom, there will be suffering. But as you suffer, you experience the presence of Christ's power through you during the suffering. And I just wonder if sometimes we miss experiencing the presence of Christ because we live to control our lives to avoid pain. And so that's become our mission as opposed to living for Christ and his kingdom. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You're with me. God is present during the suffering. He's present. He's there. Let me give us some helps for experiencing God through suffering. Just a few things that I hope will help you and help me in those moments when we're walking through the valley. When you're in the valley, remember the cross. 1 Peter 3.18, memorize this verse. It says, for Christ suffered. The righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us into God's presence. Listen. Christ suffered alone so you wouldn't have to. Christ suffered alone on that cross so you wouldn't have to. That's how much he loves us. So that you walk through the valley not alone, but with the Spirit, the Comforter, the Father, the Son over you, in you, through you. And it's just a reminder, remember the cross and remember that Jesus suffered alone so that you wouldn't have to. And, and when you're in the valley, read and remember his promises. Romans chapter 8, 28 through 39. Read and meditate on God's promises that all things work together for good to them who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Remember that promise. Remember the promise that you are now more than conquerors through Christ. And if Christ put his son on the cross, he's going to give you what you need in order to endure through the suffering. That's all in Romans 8. And that there's nothing can, that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. No amount of suffering or pain. He's there with you. Read and remember the promises. And then the third is, is to ramp up your time with God's people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, talk about the body of Christ. And it says, when one member suffers, we all come alongside and suffer alongside them. It's like we take part in the suffering. We come alongside, we bear one another's burdens, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. And listen, when you're in suffering, I don't want you, but one of the, thing, the last things I want to do is be with people. I don't. You got to do opposite of what you feel in the suffering. Don't trust your feelings in that moment. You have to do the opposite of what you feel. You need to ramp up your time with God's people. Here's why. Because God will often make his presence known to you in suffering through his people. I know this firsthand. When we came back from Ireland, after spending two and a half years there as missionaries, we were poor. I mean poor. We didn't have a house. We didn't know where we were going to live. I didn't have a job. What are we going to do? I'm, the family's down in Virginia living with Andrea's parents. I'm like just jumping from house to house, friend to friend, sleeping on a, on a spare couch or bed, looking for work. We didn't know. But yet God also, will, or God would make his presence known often during those times through his people. I'd get a text saying, hey, could you meet me in this parking lot? Some text from a friend. Can you meet me in this parking lot? I've got something for you. I'm like, Okay. So drive, whatever, meet this guy in the parking lot. It's like the envelope, like some kind of deal or what it felt like. It was like weird. This feels shady. But I don't, I'll take it anyway. I'm poor. So anyway, so, he, you know, they'd come and, and they'd hand me this, this envelope. I'm like, I'd open up like $2,000 in cash. It was legit. Okay. I mean, I'm just go. And I'm like, that's the money we need for a car. So I bought our little beige Saturn with that so I could give to and from work. 
We had people who said, hey, we know you don't have money to get Christmas presents for your kids. This is just eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. Church stepped up, people. Living Church wasn't even going on at that time. We know there's a need. Let us just purchase Christmas presents for your kids. People calling me saying, hey, um, do you guys need furniture? Yes. I have some. Great. I mean, it's crazy. And so in those moments of suffering, remember the cross that Jesus suffered alone so you wouldn't have to read and meditate and remember his promises for you. And in those moments, ramp up your time with God's people because it is often God makes his presence known through his people during suffering. And so as the band comes, let me issue a challenge for us. Let me issue a challenge for us. And this is a missionary type of challenge. Here's the challenge for us this week, church. And you challenge the others in your house, church, to do this to do this, this week. You send them texts, say, well, how's it going? Here's the challenge. I want you to come alongside someone this week who is suffering. A neighbor, a friend, a coworker. Because remember what Brother Yoon said? He said the real suffering is someone who's never experienced the presence of God. That's the real suffering. And you work next to people who are inside, they're suffering on the inside because they've never experienced the presence of God. You work with them. You live next door to them. You have family members. And so this week, the challenge for us as the church is to come alongside a missionary challenge, to come alongside someone who's suffering. Why? Because it may be through your expression of love for them that God makes his presence known to them. And so can we hold each other accountable to that? Because there's a world that is dying and longing for the presence of God. And we get the joy of sharing with them how wonderful and beautiful our God is. That's our challenge. Why? Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God is with me. But I recognize too, and here's another challenge. I recognize this morning there might be some people here this morning that you are in the valley. It might be a financial valley. It might be an emotional valley, spiritual, relational, whatever. I mean, you are in it. It could be family-related. It doesn't have to be like anyone else's valley. It's your valley. And you say, man, I just, I can't, I don't even have the strength to come up the mountain. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I just need, I need God. I need him. And here's one, I, I want us to take a risk this morning. If, if, if that's you, if you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm in that valley. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask those near you to come around you and just lay hands on you and just pray over you. You don't have to tell them what the valley is, but just stand. And let your family suffer alongside you for a moment and allow you to experience the presence of your loving God for you. And as I'm praying, if you sense the Spirit of God saying, stand, you stand. God, I'm thankful for the truth that you walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm thankful that you are present during our suffering. And like you, Lord Jesus, expressed to Paul, your grace is sufficient. All we need 
And God, I pray for those who are standing. God, I pray that they would experience your presence in a tangible way. And God, for the rest of us, would we be reminded of your promises and your truth that you are with us even in the valley. And God, bring someone to mind right now in this moment who we can love this week, someone that's suffering so that we can show them your presence and that you love them. Bring that person to mind and then help us to be feet, your hands and feet, and express your presence to them this week. God, you're good. Amen.